Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, the podcast that currently has more goodwill than both Vladimir Putin and Kim Kardashian combined. I am Jared Stormer of MazeandBrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of MazeandBrew.com, and you Renaissance man who transcends both space and time. How you been, brother? Well, we didn't pod last week due to some travel things, and like Kim Kardashian said, we have gotten off our asses, and we are back to work this week. Back to work. Bold words from a woman who's most famous for getting peed on, but uh, last <laughs> week, is uh, that's on me. I apologize, uh, but not too much. I was traveling the world, went way, way down south in uh, in Argentina here, so it was a uh, glorious time, but I also I, I missed the dulcet sound of your voice and definitely wanted to talk some sports because there's been a lot that's going on, a lot to catch up on. Yeah, and this is one of the most fertile sports times of the year because we have Michigan men's basketball, women's basketball, hockey. You and I are big F1 fans now, so we have an F1 race coming up on Sunday, so Let's a go. lot to discuss this week. <laughs> I'm excited. Can't even wait. We're not going to talk about F1 on this podcast. That's uh, that's for offline, but just know that we're excited about it. Uh, since we last spoke, Michigan absolutely collapsed in the Big Ten tournament versus Indiana. Uh, our most loyal and dearest listener, Jose, wanted us to relive that pain. Uh, but before we get back into that and kind of talk about what happened in that game and what that might mean for momentum, um, Michigan has made the tournament. Uh, there are some arguments that maybe they shouldn't have, but we are. Don't have to even play in. It's the 11th seed. It's versus Colorado State, and that's the first game 
on Thursday. That's at uh, noon Eastern time, correct? On TBS? Yeah, tw- uh, 12.15 on CBS. And we got the Iron Eagle call. So excited to kick things off. It's going to be a lot of fun. But I mean, I'm not surprised Michigan's in that first slot because people love to watch Michigan to hate watch or support. 100%. Do you think that played into it a little bit? I mean, Michigan being one of the biggest draws television wise. Oh, a hundred percent. They had to be for the draw. Like you just, I'm sorry. You don't put like South Carolina there or somebody like that, or Maryland's just not going to do the numbers that Michigan is. I'm sorry. It's Michigan in Indianapolis. Like it's a primetime game on the East coast. What are we doing? The perennial powerhouse of Longwood doesn't get you going. <laughs> I mean, it gets me going in a certain kind of way. I am going to be rooting for them to beat Tennessee. No doubt about that. Yeah, they are in our side of the bracket, and uh, we will talk about our side of the bracket. But let's first talk about that Indiana game. That was the last time we saw Michigan on the floor. We did not pot about it last week, and I had no problem not talking about it because that was a disaster, especially in the second half. Uh, from a team that came out looking just like they they had against Ohio State, looks like they were carrying over some of that momentum. Uh, It all really collapsed there in the second half of this game. Uh, We were asked, can we come up with like a basketball reason for what happened at the end of that? And I've watched it again now. That was my second time watching it, which was, uh, I mean, akin to basically stabbing myself with a screwdriver in the eye. Uh, I can't really even come up with a good, intelligent basketball reason they were that bad. It's it, it was just a, n- a number of things. But uh, what were your thoughts on that on that collapse in the second half against Indiana? It was bad. I'd put it up there with, you know, the likes of Chernobyl or the Hindenburg. I mean, I'm not being hyperbolic. Um, it was awful. It was terrible. And it's like all I could really chalk it up to is just apathy. Like it was just a lack of everything on this team. Like there were no post feeds. They were just trying to run weird high screens, no doubles like they used to. Uh, the, they relied a lot on the freshmen to try to make plays. Dickinson wasn't demanding the ball. It's like everyone was just like a deer in the headlights, players, coaches included. There was no jolt of energy, no spark defensively. It was just complete and utter apathy. And once the run started, they just seemed scared of the moment. Yeah, you mentioned that they were putting a lot on the freshmen's shoulders. That would be Houston and Diabate, not Collins or Bufkin, who got almost no run in this one. So there was some weird substitution stuff. I asked you this offline and wanted to put it on the pod. Is it possible for a coach to have rust, you know, after sitting out for that long? Because Juwan Howard, you know, we know he can get rattled. We have seen that uh, both on and off the court. Kind of felt like he got rattled and didn't know what to do when Michigan just completely went cold there in the second. Or am I maybe reading too much into that? No, I think you're 100% right that he was a little bit rattled or rusty, however you want to phrase it. And he'd been away from all basketball matters for the duration of his suspension and comes back. And it's hard to get adjusted to some of the moments and get a feel for the players again. Kobe Bufkin getting zero minutes after hitting the biggest shot of his career was a choice and very strange so there it was just a, it was very weird I don't want Jawan to lose his fire like you don't want the fire to burn down the house but you need the fire to keep the house warm and if he loses all of that competitive juice it's going to hurt this team in the long run man we're going to need to write a book of psalms of like some of the wisdom that you've <laughs> you've eschewed on this podcast that was lovely well put and I totally agree that fire is what you know gave us that the tournament run last year you know that fire is the reason that we we said this is the guy for us here at Michigan and uh, yeah you don't want him to become timid because of that so yeah what happened off the court happened and it happened it's time to put that in the past and uh, let's not overreact though you know I know Michigan looked really good under Phil Martelli but Juwan Howard is the guy and he brings some stuff that Phil Martelli does not 
Um, Martelli is a very, very grounded guy and like a guy that's never going to get too into the moment. So it's great. But he's still on the staff. So he's still there. And we need Juwan to do the things that Juwan does best. And, uh, you know, he at times was more of a risk taker. Didn't seem like he really wanted to take too many risks against Indiana. And then the, from the basketball side, Dickinson and Houston getting into foul trouble. Our offense runs through them. And if Devontae Jones isn't having like a monster night, it's got to run through Houston and Dickinson. So once they were off the court, uh, we were in a lot of trouble. And defensively, we just don't have guys that uh, – that, you know, that, that really can, you know, come, come in night in night out and shut down the opposing team's best scorers. And Indiana has some really good rim protection. I might add watching that game again. That's that stood out. Yeah. You texted me, I believe shortly after the game asking, is there a reason for concern with Juwan Howard? I said, no, one second half collapse in your first game following a five game suspension does not erase an elite eight run last year. Like it just doesn't happen that way. You don't want to be prisoners of the moment and jump to wild conclusions. Like how the Batman is the best ever Batman movie or something like absurd like that. So you want to give him some patience, let him ease back into it. And again, Indiana was a good team. They were a hot team. As we saw, they made a deep run into the big 10 tournament. And, but we saw this game was a complete encapsulation of Michigan's entire season. The first half was the high of highs, just dominant basketball or the first half and a half. And then the last half of the second half just completely fell apart. And you saw the bad side, the team that lost to Minnesota in the regular season. Love you sneaking that Batman reference in there. Uh, completely accurate, as you always are. Just no misses coming from you on that one. And yes, you're absolutely right. Let's not be prisoners of the moment. Juwan Howard took this team to the Elite Eight last year, and there are some roster deficiencies. I mean, we've we've highlighted them in the past, so this is not all on Juwan Howard, although that was not his best game against Indiana. Uh, my, my last question about Indiana, and then we can finally you know, graciously move on from that and never discuss it again. Should we be worried about what that means for momentum? Because in years past, when we've made these deep tournament runs, it's been built off of momentum in the Big Ten tournament and towards the end of the the, uh, the season. Are you concerned that this team coming off of that loss and that deflating of a loss isn't going to be able to get up for this game against Colorado State on Thursday? Actually, I think quite the contrary. I think this loss is very reassuring and humbling that it's time to bounce back. Like, it can all end in a heartbeat. It can just all end in the snap of the fingers. So they understand what that Thanos moment is like, and you don't want it to be taken away from you again. So momentum would be nice coming into the tournament, but I think this team is going to be refocused on the goal about, like, how a lead can evaporate right before your eyes. So if they get one against Colorado State this week, I think they'll finish the job because they know what it's like to squander it. 100%. And they're going to they're gonna need to take better care of the ball. They're going to need to play better defense down the stretch. These are things that can be coached out of them in the coming days. So um, a lot of what I saw is very fixable. I mean, the stuff with shots not falling, that's just going to happen from time to time. And we don't have an elite bucket getter. We already knew that. I mean, it's Hunter Dickinson, but I wouldn't call him an elite bucket getter. I would call him a really, really big dude that's got a soft touch around the rim. So the, the things that I didn't like in that Indiana game, there's time to get cleaned up before the Colorado State game on Thursday. So let's shift over to that Colorado State game because this, I think, is a pretty favorable draw for us. I spent the day, uh, it was a little cloudy here in Buenos Aires. I wasn't feeling uh, going out into the town. So I just watched a bunch of Colorado State. And uh, it was difficult for me because as a Colorado alum, this is a built-in rivalry. So the rooting interests are about as easy as I've ever had. Uh, Colorado, Colorado State have like a little bit of a Michigan, Michigan State light 
type of rivalry. You know, it's like the uh, the the knockoff brand version of our rivalry. So uh, I, I already hated Colorado State, but in watching them, I'm pretty impressed with a couple guys on that team, and uh, in particular this cat Roddy. Uh, this is the dude that that you need to watch. David Roddy, he plays forward, but I mean, he, it's guard and forward. He plays both. He's just like a Jayshon Tate, Devontae Jones mixture all in one player. If, if Devontae Jones was five inches taller and could shoot better, that's David Roddy. That's really my, the first guy that jumps off the tape against Colorado State. What do you think about this matchup? What have you seen so far? Well, one, I'm terrified of Roddy and everything you've said about him and what he presents to this team, but I am at least a little bit confident in Michigan's ability to be able to bully them inside the paint. Uh, Colorado State tends to play with a smaller lineup, mostly wings on the outside. They're going to be able to switch a lot, which does have me nervous, but they don't have an obvious answer for Hunter Dickinson. So I think they're going to try to be creative with traps and situations like that. But if it's going to be first half Michigan against Indiana, I think we're just going to body them inside the paint just repeatedly over and over again, pounding in the inside, getting them in foul trouble. But if it's the second half where we're going to keep getting caught in traps and bad switches and things like that, then Colorado State could poise some threats down the stretch here. They definitely could, and it'll be very interesting to, to uh, see if they decide to try and match our sides. And if they do that, they'll have to play a lot of James Moore. He's a 6'10 forward out of New Zealand who can shoot threes, uh, crafty around the rim on offense, not a shot blocker, not really a lead on defense. And then the other guy is forward, Dyshawn Thomas. He's 6'9", and he can shoot the ball really well. You'll see a lot of him no matter what. Him and uh, I imagine him and Diabate will be locked up quite a bit, or if he's playing the five, Hunter Dickinson will be tasked with him, which that'll draw Hunter Dickinson out towards the three-point line, which will be something to watch. But they are going to play a lot of guys that are more guard size. Um, and then David Roddy, everything everything runs through him. He is the engine of this team. He can shoot. He has touch around the rim. He handles it well. He's averaging 19-7 and seven on 45% three-point shooting and 57% field goals, and he's a volume guy. Like, that's crazy. This dude, uh, I mean, he should be getting national attention. He's going to be a problem. And uh, if if it comes out and he's hot, I mean, don't get too alarmed because this dude comes out every game and he puts up numbers. So um, it's the other guys that I think we really need to focus on and shut down. But what you said is absolutely correct. This on paper looks like Hunter Dickinson should be able to feast. So everything's going to run through David Roddy. What is what do you think Michigan's answer is for taking him out of the game? Do you think it's Musa Diabate? Do you think it's Caleb Houston? What would you do in this situation? I p- kind of posed this question a little bit on Twitter because it's very interesting. We don't have anybody that's as thick, and I mean thick, David Roddy is. T-H-I-Q-Q. It, it's not even C's and K's with this guy. He is built, and we don't have anybody that can body him. Like Honestly, Dickinson would probably get pushed back against this dude. So I think you've got to use Diabate, so that way you're at least you know, you're not giving up um, you know, the, the weight will be similar. He's 250 pounds, but that way you've got some extra size that can maybe contest those shots a little more. Terrence Williams might be an interesting guy, although he doesn't have the weight to hang with him. So I would honestly, you know, Diabate is our second best man to man defender. Would you agree right now? I mean, uh, Terrence Williams and, and Houston are improving, but who do you think is our second best man to man defender? Well, for outside of guard play, I think it would have to be Diabate because obviously you can't put Frankie Collins or Eli no. Brooks on this guy Over. or Devontae Jones. But what I think what I think the answer is you have to put 
uh, Musa Diabate in there, then let Devontae Jones just kind of run around and take gambles and be a menace against him. Because if the, if he's the straw that stirs the drink of this team, he can probably cheat off of his man a little bit and come give some help with his active hands. I think so too, especially since he'll likely be on 5'10", 5'11", guard Kendall Moore, who was supposed to be one of their best players, not having the best season, but he's athletic. He can handle it. He's shooting 31% from three. He's only averaging six points per game, but talent-wise, he should be better than that, and he can get hot on any given night so Devonte jones and brooks will probably be on that guy and i think yeah you're absolutely right you need to harass david roddy with a combination of Devonte jones and eli brooks and i i personally think it's going to be a lot of diabate on him um but no one person on our team is built to stop this guy i don't know that there's any one person like in the nation other than maybe like uh you know if i'm not a huge paulo bancaro guy but if you had paulo bancaro's body with like Terry Eason from LSU's defensive chops. Like that's what you need to stop a guy like Roddy. He's just, he's a force of nature, man. So it's going to be tough. I think what you got to try and do is just limit him to his average or slightly below his average because he's going to get buckets. It's going to happen. So, so, So you're thinking you just let him get his, you limit him where you can, but you like you the rest of the guys, you can't let them beat you. You can't let Kendall get going at guard and start knocking down threes. You can't let Dickinson get in foul trouble. So how do you think this game is going to play out? Because you have had the, the deep dive of this. You know how they play, understand the feel of everything. So how do you think this is going to go in Indianapolis on Thursday? Well, like I said, Roddy's going to get his. They're going to try and get Kendall Moore going early. They also have the, John Tanji. He's a 6'5 guard, also will play a little bit of forward, and he's shooting 38% from three averaging nine points a game so they have the ability to get inside on you if Hunter Dickinson is playing really well which he's improved this year he's played stout and if Diabate is able to not you know get into foul trouble early and we're able to keep things away from the rim I think that will benefit us let them shoot their threes and just play solid three-point defense um, and I think that benefits us and then early on feed Hunter Dickinson because they're going to have to play. They just do not have enough size. And if they get into foul trouble early with their big guys, that does not help them. So I think you need to feed the post Diabate, get him going. Um, if, if uh, Caleb Houston is hitting threes early on, that's obviously going to be nothing but good for this team, but I want to see them get into the paint. I want to see Devonte Jones challenge Kendall Moore. Um, I would also like to see this team, uh, Michigan, get out and run because Colorado State's going to want to slow this thing down and play in the half court. If we can get out in transition and get some easy buckets that way, maybe get them into foul trouble early, they don't have the depth. So I, I think that's a really good strategy is, is run, push it, get it down into the paint, get easy buckets, and uh, hopefully some of those will result in some and ones. We'll be in good shape if it starts out that way. I'm thinking this is going to be a big Devontae Jones game. If he's getting that fast break going, he's so creative and elusive with the ball and creating shots for other people. I think he could have a big game in this and get a couple steals generated and really be the spark on the defensive end. And like I said, I think Hunter Dickinson's going to feast. I think they're going to learn from the mistakes in the second half against Indiana, and they're going to feed him early and often and just force them to adjust and try to play big and out of their element with that New Zealand kid guarding him, who, again, you said he's not a shot blocker. He's more of a finesse big. And Dickinson will feast upon this guy. So I think Michigan's going to get out, get running, 
and I think they take this one 75-64. Ooh, I got it. 72-61. Uh, the last point that I wanted to make was that uh, Dickinson needs to have 20-10 and 10 in this. He should be a 20-10 and 10 guy every night, but if he doesn't have 20-10 in this game, I don't really like our chances to win. But I think that he will, and I think we're going to get the upset here. I don't know how much of an upset it will really be. We have a lot more talent if you just look at the stars and the guys out there than they do. Um, but Roddy's going to be a problem, man. I got it 72-61, and uh, – and then it gets interesting because on our side of the bracket, we've got Tennessee, we've got Ohio State, we've got Villanova. How far could this Michigan team go if we get through Colorado State, which we're both predicting to happen? If Tennessee beats Longwood like they should, because Tennessee's been kind of a dark horse national championship pick, not really even dark horse, um, that's going to be a that's a very tough game. I like that for Michigan's sake, they get them on a quick turnaround. Like it's kind of nice because Michigan's this tough team to prepare for because although an 11 seed like you alluded to a very talented team that's been war tested and battle tested throughout the season so Tennessee is very difficult if we beat Tennessee it's house money after that like that's a work we should lose that game like by all measurables everyone will pick against us but if we win that game I think we win the season 100% I mean you could even argue beating Colorado State and just the fact that we're in the tournament and get a win it's like wow way to salvage something this year but if we can get a win against Tennessee which I totally agree Tennessee's not losing to Longwood in that game um, I, I this is a great season for us and Tennessee's defense is a nightmare that'll be a tough one but also it's not impossible because they don't have some elite offense and if you want to play some 65 to 63 game and it just comes down to a couple buckets at the end that's a coin flip you know, Tennessee, I don't think they're going to get out and just blow you, blow you away by 40 points. That's not the kind of team that they are. So we don't want to look ahead to Tennessee. That's not what this podcast is for. But it is uh, worth noting that I think we got a good draw on our side of the bracket, whereas Michigan State got an absolutely tough, tough draw over on their side. They got to get through Foster Lawyer and Davidson, who's got a lot of goodwill got a lot of shooting. They've got the revenge game aspect. And then they've got the Coach K farewell tour to get through after that. So I'm, I like our draw a lot more than Michigan State. I do as well. And I hate it because like if Coach K has to play Tom Izzo, it's really the lesser of two evils. So that would be a very tough rooting interest game. But like you said it, man, they got to get past Foster and Davidson first. And that kid's got a bone to pick with Michigan State with how his career unfolded there. Yeah, it's like, would you rather wake up covered in mosquitoes or leeches? Like either way, I'm pretty upset. <laughs> exactly. I'm not having fun here. So watching that would be much, very much of a hate watch if it happens in the next round. But I'm excited. This is as wide open as I can remember the NCAA tournament in some time. I, I'm totally with you, man, and uh, got to take a moment talk about our people over at Homefield Apparel, the men and women of that company who we've been with now for some time with the best selection, the most comprehensive selection of college apparel in the game right now. There's no better time to get yourself some new gear right on the verge of the NCAA tournament. You want to go to the bar. You want to rep your team. You can get the old school. You can get the new school. You can let them know that you've been about it with this team since back in the day, and uh, that's what I like to do. I'm a fan of going with old school, but, I mean, you and I were talking about the 89 Batmans, about how they, they need not be forgotten, so we're old school. But uh, maybe you like the new designs. They've got you covered either way. And you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB at checkout at homefieldapparel.com. All right, man. So uh, I wanted to talk to you uh, real quick before we moved on about this season at large. And I've watched now <laughs> almost every game, uh, either live or 
or via highlights. Can you pinpoint one thing that's been wrong with this team? And then a follow-up question once it, I, we'll see where you go with this, but I have a follow-up question. Pinpoint it down to one, one thing. thing. I would say, I would say team chemistry. I think losing the five pieces from last year, I think really impacted them far greater than we ever could have imagined. I think we lost some key glue guys such as Shonda Brown, Mike Smith, Isaiah Livers, Franz Wagner, Austin Davis, just very key pieces there and very different key pieces. So you had Isaiah Livers, who's a sharpshooter from three, knocking down like 43% clip, I believe, when he went out. So you lose that element. Franz Wagner, the playmaker, the do-it-all forward who could do a lot of things. Mike Smith, a scorer and creator at the point guard position, but most importantly, he was reliable despite being undersized. Shonda Brown, the spark plug off the bench, and even further down the bench, Austin Davis, who was the sure hand that could come in there, spell Hunter Dickinson, give you good big minutes in reserve that this team really needed. And losing those five pieces really hurt this team because there hasn't been a clear replacement for most of them. I totally agree. Not to agree with literally everything you say, because we always do, but <laughs> it's it's just the way that it is. And, you know, they're missing – It's you watch them and it's like they're missing something. I don't know quite know what it is because I think it could be – any number of things would really help this team. So I wanted to pose this question to you. Which type of player would benefit this team more? Would it be like an Austin Davis type coming off the bench, has some size, can protect the rim a little bit, also doesn't get flustered. He's been around. So maybe like a senior 6'11 guy. Okay. Would it be a guard who can get his own shot a la Shonday Brown coming off the bench? A guy that's 6'5", can take you off the dribble, can hit the three, can drive a little bit. Would it be somebody like that? Or is it a is it a wing that can get his own shot? Because Caleb Houston, as much as I, I'm high on his jump shooting potential, he's got the prettiest looking shot I've ever seen. But it's it's all style, no substance for me because he can't really break you down off the dribble and he can't drive in and, and out muscle you. So would a forward that can take you down, uh, you know, into the paint off the dribble and get his own bucket a la Keegan Murray at Iowa. Would that be better for this team? And I'm not saying those particular players. I'm saying the mold of that player. What would be best for this team? Which yeah. one thing are they missing the most? I'll rank those in order. I would start with the forward the most because I think Caleb Houston, if his shot's not going, he's gotten better defensively, but he's not really impacting the game. Like where Franz Wagner, when his shot would go cold, he could get very, very dominant on the defensive end. He was always rebounding. He could still create for others. So I would say that's number one because I don't know who our creating do-it-all forward is. Like that's such a utility piece that you can just push anywhere. Very malleable. Second would be, I think, that backup Austin Davis type center. Someone that can come in there and give you good, reliable minutes in relief and just keep everybody calm. Like just a steady hand on the ship, like saying, let's get through this. They can weather the storm and gives you that leadership. And I think thirdly, that's where you get into the guard category because we have four guards. They all do different things. And Eli Brooks can get hot off the shot. Uh, Devontae Jones can create. Frankie Collins can create. Kobe Bufkin can knock down a shot. So although we don't have the one guy that's like the encapsulation of all of those traits, we have four guys where it's spread out. And mo more often than not, we at least have one or two of them on. 
finally, I get to disagree with you on a point. We agree way too often. Uh, I think that the guard, <laughs> the guard position is severely undermanned as far as having somebody that's athletic or like an elite shot creator or a great shooter. I think that if you could combine that into one, because we're obviously seeing that we can't get the minutes for Bufkin and Collins. We're having trouble. They can't get into a rhythm because you have to play Brooks and Devontae Jones because of what they could do on defense. But like if you had an elite guy that could both, you know, take you off the dribble and he's a threat from the outside and he can play serviceable defense. I think that that covers a lot of warts and I love Eli Brooks, but we knew last year, like with that team, he didn't need to do nearly as much on this team. He needs to be a scorer. We have to get nine, 10, 11 points from Eli Brooks every night because you just can't count on the other guys. You can't count on Diabate in Houston every night. So I think an elite scorer at guard, I actually have it one. I've got the forward two, and I've got the Austin Davis guy off the bench that can provide you some rim protection at three. I don't hate your order there, but I, I think we're maybe um, overvaluing our guard play this year because our guard play, Devontae Jones has only recently started to pick it up. And I've been impressed with him uh, other than the collapse against Indiana. But to call him elite at any one thing, I, I, you just can't. I, what is he elite at? What is he best at? Let me phrase that that way. What is Devontae Jones? What is his best attribute? Man-to-man -man defense? Is it setting other guys up? Yeah, I think it's creation. I think it's definitely creation on the offensive. And he's a very steady hand. And when he gets in the lane, he no, he's normally makes the right decision. But I would agree with you that he's not elite at anything. And he could come back next year, which would greatly benefit sure. him. But he's just, he's got a lot of good qualities. And I, I see your point. Like, you know, you need somebody to be that encapsulation. Like, if... Devonte Jones and Eli Brooks were one person. You would have that guy, right? Absolutely. If or if you could give like three inches to to Devonte Jones, that might be enough right there. So maybe you could play him at the two or something like that, and then you can work more Collins in or something like because Collins' athleticism that's like that that brings something. You know, Eli Brooks and yeah. Devonte Jones they bring a lot of the same thing. You know, they're they're very similar players in a lot of ways. They're they're heady. They're veterans. They play smart for the most part. They like to get other guys involved. They can shoot the three a little bit. They can kind of get their own shot a lot, um, around the rim. Excuse me. But it needs to be done like with floaters and hooks. It, they need to be creative because neither one is very big for the position. So not having a lot of size at the guard position and not having guys that are elite athletes or elite shot creators, I think has also been detrimental to this team if we're talking just rosters. But I loved your initial point about just like the chemistry of what we had last year. I think when you really boil it all down, that's probably the biggest factor. Now, let me pose two more uh, pieces to you that I think is missing from this team. So I alluded to chemistry and elaborated upon that at first, but I'd also like to say this team is missing one in edge. Like, you don't see the defensive intensity you saw last year. Last year, this team was elite defensively. And two, you mentioned that you have Devontae Jones and Eli Brooks as veterans. I think this team is desperately missing leadership. Like, who is the leader on this team? I mean, once again, we're back to agreeing entirely. Um, the edge part on defense became so clear against Indiana because when your shot's not falling, you need to be able to lean on your defense in moments like that. You're going to go cold at times. Hunter Dickinson's going to get into foul trouble at some point in this tournament, especially if we make a run. You need to be able to lean on your defense. They could not do that, and it's been the Achilles heel all year. I mean, name uh, one game where you're like, wow, that looked like a really, really good defensive team. I can't think of one game this year, maybe early on against like Seton Hall or Buffalo. It was like, oh, wow, OK, I could see this team being really solid on defense. 
but that no defensive edge. And then 100% when Hunter Dickinson is supposed to be your guy that everyone's turning to like, man, this is, this is going South. Let's turn to Hunter Dickinson. And he's like, hung over and he's doing the like big dick celebration. It's like, all right, well that guy's 19 and uh, I'm pretty sure he was out drinking like triple sec last night. I don't know if that's the guy and I'm maybe a little overly critical of Hunter Dickinson there, but I, I don't see him as a leader either. And it, like when you had guys like Isaiah livers and Sean day Brown and even Franz Wagner. And before that Mo Wagner, we've really been blessed with some great leaders on the court. And I, I just don't know that we have that and Devonte Jones being a transfer. Maybe that, works to his detriment, you know, not being with this team until the beginning of the season and not being there. And Eli Brooks is awesome, but does not seem like a vocal guy, nor does he seem like an on the court leader. And I'm not trying to knock these guys. I love, I'm huge fans of all of them, obviously, but I think it's a fair criticism and it's a good point by you. Yeah. This team, we've been saying it most of the year while we expect to win against Colorado state and two wins is outstanding here. This team's a year away. Like they have a lot of key pieces here. They could use a transfer and some, like some new blood to inject. But if you get all the pieces back that we're expecting to get back, this team is just a year away. Like this is a, a good growing season. Like you've gone through the ups and downs. And I, I would say we have seen a few defensive, like good games recently uh, towards the end of this stretch here. I thought the Iowa game on the road was a good defensive game, like getting the best of them almost blew the lead again, but like had a really great like first half and most of the second half in that one. So there, there's been moments there when you, when you see the flashes, but just the consistency they're lacking. That's when you see the inexperience of this team and really the inexperience of them playing together. I completely agree, man. Yeah, there's flashes, but there's never really been like, oh, wow, three game stretch where, yeah, this is a really good defensive team when they want to be. It's it's just in spurts. And, you know, if you want to make a run, it's going to have to be, you know, it's going to have to start on defense and it's going to have to be, you know, Dickinson, Devontae Jones and Caleb Houston on offense. So we'll see if they're able to put it together. I'm super excited to see it. I'm glad we made the tournament. I like our draw. And uh, it's time for unabashed optimism. You know, if you think that I'm going to sit here and dog this team and say we have no shot, well, you haven't listened to this podcast. I'm ready for ridiculous, borderline absurd optimism. This is what we're here for at this point. Like, I mean, the haze in the bar, we know what we're coming with. Like, there's no point in second guessing it now. Last game of the year, Brent can't hold anything back now. Like, let's do it. Like, all anti-Colorado State. Let's go. This is an easy one for me. Look, establish the run, the basketball version. I don't even know what that means, but it's just really good words to live by. It's just feeding Moose Dick on the inside. Just those two guys just going at it. Moose Dick front court. Good Lord. I hope we bring the the Moose Dick front court back next year. That's strong energy. That is very strong energy. And like, yeah, we'll see. Jawan Howard can really say a lot about his situation and, uh, hand at the head of this program this weekend 100 brother all right uh let's take a break when we come back we've got uh, some breaking news we got to talk about the goat he's coming back what does this mean for football i think you already know some spring practice rumblings got to remove the goggles and uh and more we'll be back right after this it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We got a whole second half of stuff to talk about. That's what happens when I journey down to the land of the penguins and uh, take some time off. But a lot to catch up on and a little bit more on basketball before we go into that. Iowa did end up winning the Big Ten tournament. Keegan Murray has been absolutely on fire. Uh, Really unlikable Big Ten tournament teams this year and just Big Ten teams in general. Is there anybody outside of Michigan in the Big Ten that you're pulling for? Or is there a team that you particularly want to lose? I mean, obviously, Michigan State's always that team. But is there anybody else that you're like, I God, I hate that team or the uh, the inverse? I love that team. Aside from rivals like Ohio State and Michigan State, really want Wisconsin to lose because of the whole situation that happened there. They kind of replaced Illinois in my book this year for this one just like random team you want to lose. Illinois this year is not as dislikable. They've kind of quieted down. They have some players I actually really like on the perimeter. The Alonzo Plummer kids or Alfonso kids a stud. He's great. So. And with Iowa, it's 50-50 because, like, I hate Bojangles, but the Murray brothers are so fun to watch, and I wouldn't mind seeing Keegan Murray be a Piston next year. And there's just – so it's kind of like back and forth with them, but, man, I really want to see Wisconsin lose. Like, I would – nothing would join me more and bring me more happiness this year outside of the rivals losing early than seeing Wisconsin. Is that just a Brad Davidson thing or is that like the the whole team in general? Because I kind of like Johnny Davis. I don't want him for the Pistons, even though we need a guard. It's 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 a Brad Davidson thing. It's a Krabby uh, uh, Patty thing was named Krabbenhoff. It's his thing because he never got his uh, comeuppance for what happened with the Jordan Howard situation. So I want this team to just get smacked and embarrassed because, you know, what goes around comes around. So I think it's time for them to get theirs. Well, they already got smacked. Jawan Howard saw to that. Now now it's time to get embarrassed, so hopefully that'll come around. Uh, I'm with you on Iowa. Very torn on them because I like Keegan Murray. If Pistons fall to the 5-6 range, I don't hate that. I agree. A um, little bit of um, redundancy because I think he projects to like a Sadiq Bay type of player, but that's what you need in the NBA. You can't really have too many of those guys, so I like Keegan Murray. Uh, but Jordan Bohannon should not be on a college campus. Uh, if he dates a freshman, he should be arrested. I mean, he was in the same recruiting classes like Jason Tatum, who's been in like four all star games like it's preposterous. Nobody that old should be there unless they're taking night classes. Um, Michigan State, though, obviously, you know, we said we weren't going to talk about the rivals, but going up against Foster Lawyer and Davidson early on, that's one that I'll be keeping an eye on. It's just not an incredibly likable crop of Big Ten teams. I guess Purdue's the only one that I'm kind of like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right with Purdue, but they have a historically bad defense. 
That's that's a good one because Jaden Ivy so exciting and honestly like the way Indiana plays defense like although Michigan collapsed I kind of like the way Indiana plays and that Davis kid is a stud. Dude, their rim protection is really really exciting. I like I wish we had a shot blocker like that. Like Diabate's really really good but he's not on the level of that Davis kid. Like not a not even close on the inside. He could get there. Uh, Diabate for sure has the ceiling to get there, but yeah, I don't hate Indiana but in uh, Purdue, but pretty much outside of the Indiana teams, the teams located in the the heartland of basketball, it's just not a likable group. And we were kind of talking offline. I don't want to I don't want to crap on our own team. Where does this Michigan team rank as far as likability for you? Like, because we've had some really likable teams in the past. I mean, you think back to like the Levert, the the Hardaway Burke teams, the Franz Wagner teams, the the Mo Wagner with uh, Abdul Rahman and Livers and those guys. Where does this team rank for likability for you? This team kind of falls in that Derek Walton transition year, those kind of teams. So I believe I forget what exact year it was, but I think it was Walton's last year. I, it wasn't the it wasn't the um, Big Ten tournament plane crash team, I don't think. It was, it was other one of those big Walton years. But that's where it would be for me. It's just kind of the transition, moving from one like side to the next. So I think they're in there. But, man, as far as like guys you just want to hang out with on this team, not, not, not a deep list. There's no, uh, there's no Shonday Browns on this team. No, not a great hang team. Yeah, I'm I'm agreeing with you entirely. I think it falls around that. Uh, you're talking about the 2017-18 Wolverines team there. So uh, I'm with you. And that roster was like, uh, they had some guys that we really liked. Charles Matthews, that had pool. It had livers. Um, you know, it had Mo Wagner. But that, you know, it, that actually, that team was loaded. They had Duncan Robinson, too. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm no, yeah. I I'm think that was I think that was the plane crash team. That was the plane crash team. Yeah. So yeah, I am. I don't know. This team is towards the bottom for me. Then I'm definitely running the years together. But it's just like me not too. a lot of guys you just didn't really get behind. But like Musa Diabate is a lot of fun. Uh, Frankie Collins is going to be my adopted son. So there are definitely key players out there I like. Yeah, I'm with you. I agree with you. It falls somewhere in there. It's lower on the list, and it's not just because of. Uh, you know, the, the, the results on the court, you and I are all about like team vibes, team chemistry, stuff like that stuff that can't be, uh, computed. And, uh, it really means nothing whatsoever, but you know, you know, whatever we're talking heads, we're, we're, we're sports fans. That's what we're allowed to like. Not a, not a great vibes team is what we're getting at. <laughs> Very poor charisma. <laughs> exactly but it's like a lot of that can be alleviated if they go on a run here and demonstrate some dog or some swagger about it all right man let's uh let's switch it up we got two other sports we got to talk on got time for a little hockey corner here uh michigan pulls it out against notre dame nobody beats us five times in a year baby it just doesn't happen uh what a what a great game by portolo maddie Beniers. um what what do you have to say? You're the hockey guy here. What are, what are your thoughts after that two to one victory? Or was it it was two to one, not three to two, correct? Correct. It was two to two one. To one. This two was Eric, one. Eric Portillo's best game all season in net. He was a wall when you needed him to be. Uh, this team is the kryptonite to Michigan. They have been all season. They've won seven in a row at Yost coming into this into this game. So they've been really just had our number. And the way they block shots and play defense and just very opportunistic on offense, they have just given us problems, but man, it felt so good to see the Olympian line back where it belongs with Kent Johnson creating, Beneers getting that first goal on the extra pass from Basson, and then 
just play a compilation of Brendan Brisson wristers at my funeral, please. Just on an endless loop to some like awesome Rick Ross song off Teflon Don. I don't need anything more because his wrister to take the lead in that one and then just the team to hold it on with a dominant third period. Man, it was some of the most fun I've had this season watching this team. They look poised for a good run now. He's a simple man. Some Rick Ross and Beneers wristers, folks. That's all he needs. Maybe a couple beers. I like it. I respect yeah. that. Uh, yeah, I wasn't able to watch this one. I was only able to watch the highlights, so I'm not going to pretend that I did. Uh, but what what I, stood out to me was like that extra pass from Beneers, uh, or excuse me, from uh, Brisson to Beneers. That was beautiful. Portolo looked great, looked super comfortable, had a 95% save rate in this. And if he's playing like that the rest of the way, Look, we're just too talented. I mean, like you said uh, off air, it's curtains if he's saving at 95, 94%, even 93%. I think that this is this is a, a, the most talented team and a team that could win the entire thing. Going up against Minnesota next for the Big Ten Championship, which uh, it still matters. You obviously want to hang that banner. Uh, Minnesota, we've split the season series with them, so there's a little bit of a tiebreaker involved there. But either way, we should be a top seed going into the tournament. Yeah, both teams here are projected to be ones or twos at the lowest of the 16 teams selected in. So this is just about, you know, hanging the first banner, like taking that next step and just continuing this good momentum you have. The game's in Minneapolis if you want to travel and support. And yeah, man, this is a great time to hop on the train. And the NCAA tournament starts, I believe, in next week. I think it's March 24th or 25th. So, I mean, NCAA tournament's on its way, man. It's coming. March is just a low key. It's not even low key because we all knew about March Madness, but just with everything going on, what a sports month. It's just incredible. Yeah. Like I'm I'm consuming like at an all time high right now this month. And, you know, now that I'm getting into hockey a little bit more and you and I, like we mentioned, getting into the Formula One, like I'm I'm glued to the te- television. I honestly feel a little guilty about it. But then I think about it and I uh, a, a wave of relief washes over me and I don't care anymore. I think about how much joy it brings me to watch Thomas Bordelow's pregame outfits and then watch us beat Notre Dame. It's like, this is great. I love the life I live. Meanwhile, my girlfriend's like sharpening a knife in the corner, but it's fine. It'll pass. <laughs> She's like, are you watching college golf for the love of God? <laughs> Her oh, brother man, you- is visiting from the military and was just like, you'll just watch anything, won't you? I'm like, if it's, comp- if it's competitive, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much what is this bocce ball olympic caliber all right i got an hour <laughs> got a lot riding on this cornhole game in atlanta Can't lose it. <laughs> oh man going from uh, one great thomas b and thomas bordolo to the greatest thomas b of all time tom brady has decided to return in what has to be the least surprising decision of all time i did not expect him to sit out I, if he did sit out i thought it'd be for a year and he'd come back I did not think he was done, and so it turns out that uh, two weeks with the family was enough to make him realize that it ain't for him. He'll be back for one more year on the pursuit of 100,000 passing yards, and the only record he doesn't have, most comeback victories uh, against Peyton Manning, he's going to cement them all. What are your thoughts on uh, the GOAT and his return? Football is better with Tom Brady in it, so this is this raises all tides. <clears throat> Excuse me. So this is great, man. I mean, the least expected thing. I still am holding out that he goes and plays for the 49ers to make one more push for the Super Bowl because I just don't think the Bucks team has it. But like I said, football's better with Tom Brady in it, man. I can't wait for another ride with him. 
When he first started playing football, my voice was starting to crack. I now have gray in my beard. It's all I know is Thomas Thomas Edward Brady, Edward Patrick Brady being in the uh, in the NFL. So, yeah, of course it's great, man. And I mean, they'll have just as good a shot as anyone, although the AFC is crazy loaded next year. But I mean, you've got to think that the Bucks will be right up there among the favorites in the NFC and the dude didn't look anywhere near washed. He's going to put up numbers. That's just the way it is. The sky is blue. Water is wet. You know, Tom Brady is is the goat. That's that's how it all boils down. Yeah, goat, god, whatever you want to choose. I mean, one the of the names listed. On, there it is. You beat me to it. It's it's just Sorry. better with Brady being in football. It's so this is great for the sport. The NFL could even let March Madness have its own day. Like, no, Brady's like, I'm back. I'm taking the attention again. Uh, you know, he saw that Aaron Rodgers was really trying to take all the attention away. Aaron Rodgers is like the LeBron James of football attention. And Brady was like, Oh yeah, just so you know, uh guy at the counter of Whole Foods, it's still me. I'm still him. I am the Pharaoh. <laughs> And yeah, you're just the guy. You're a grocery bagger. Sorry, I'm not an Aaron one of, guy. <laughs> one of my favorite things I saw this weekend was Johnny Davis needs to change his uh, pronouns to he, his, because he is not him. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's great stuff, man. Yeah, it's going to be great to watch uh, one more year of Brady. I'm going to try and watch as many games as I can, because eventually this thing needs to come to an end. Maybe that's why he retired for two weeks. He'd be like, hey, just so you know, I could eventually actually get old, but it might be another six years. I think we got another two years. I don't even think this will be his last year. I don't either, especially if he doesn't win a Super Bowl. So he's at 45. He'll be the oldest quarterback to ever play an NFL game ever this coming season. And he don't forget, he ended last season uh, leading the league in passing yards. So far from washed, he is not a human being. What's happening with him and LeBron James doesn't make sense. It defies like what we know about the human body. So just enjoy it while it's happening with both of those guys. Uh, which is more absurd, LeBron James still dropping 56 or uh, Tom Brady still being an elite quarterback in his 40s? Tom Brady being an elite quarterback in his 40s. Like he's in the middle of his 40s. Like he's 45 years old. Like it's it's unbelievable to me. It's just insane. No, he's not 45. He's 43, I believe. No, he'll be 45 when the season kicks off. Oh, my God. That's ridiculous. Yeah. He could be my father. <laughs> That's what I'm <laughs> the Pharaoh at 45. So he could play almost a 47. <laughs> That's ridiculous. John Belushi would, would have been dead for 12 years. Yeah, so it's just, it's unprecedented. We're never going to see it again, especially in a sport as physical as football is. That's crazy, man. Let's stay on football and talk. Jim Harbaugh had some comments out of spring ball, and uh, there's actually been uh, quite a bit that's leaked out, more so than in the past. I have a sneaking suspicion that the legal marijuana in Michigan has found its way into the Harbaugh home because he seems so much more chill, so much more relaxed. The guy's actually given us some stuff to talk about uh, and not only giving us some stuff, he's making some bold claims like kind of stealing our fire with the hot takes. He says Mike Morris might be the second coming of Aiden Hutchinson. What are your thoughts on this? I mean, I know you were high on Morris, but neither of us thought that level. We, we were trying to temper expectations. I mean, just crushed it up and injected it into me. Aiden Hutchinson's about to be the number one pick in the draft, was runner-up in the Heisman and everything else. So this is outstanding for Mike Morris. We knew he had a ton of potential. He was going poised to take the next step this coming year. 
did not expect it to be to this level. I thought it was going to be more of a committee effort. So the fact that he's saying he could be the second coming of Hutch is nothing but good news for a front seven that's in desperate need of someone like that. So we had our uh, our podcast a couple of weeks ago. We were talking about the defensive line a little bit, and I think you and I were a little bit higher on Chris Jenkins. I think we had Mike Morris maybe second for the breakouts. We talked about uh, Braden McGregor as a guy. Neither of us predicted him to surpass any of these guys, but he had the highest ceiling. Um, how are you? How are you looking at this now? If Mike Morris is the guy, who's number two? Is that Jenkins? <clears throat> I think across the line right now, if, you, if you're going to say it would be Harrell, Mozzie Smith, Jenkins, <clears throat> excuse me, Mike Morris, and then with Upshaw providing some relief men, I think those are your five guys. But I think it starts with uh, the best coming back we know is Mozzie Smith just off the experience from what the eye test told me last year. So I would rank them as Mozzie, Morris, um, Harold, then Jenkins right now, just from everything I've heard and what I saw last season. I didn't see enough of Jenkins last year, and I think Mike Morris, and with what Harbaugh said, he's usurping the whole list, baby, besides Mozzie. Yeah, he threw the whole thing on its head. You and I were high on Harold a couple weeks ago, me in particular. Um, I think you were a little higher on Jenkins and Morris than me, um, but we weren't basing that off much, just the limited snaps that we saw, and there was a lot to like. Uh, Upshaw is another guy that I think we both liked, and let's not forget him in that rotation as well. But this this whole thing just got thrown on its head because now it sounds like Morris is the guy as, as your edge rusher for next year, and uh, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go go out and say anything that's uh, too controversial here, but this is big for the team. <laughs> that's uh, about the least <laughs> controversial thing I could say. Uh, you're telling me we've got another potential first round pick emerging right here in spring ball, like I mean, it, at a position that we said we absolutely need to get somebody. We thought we needed to get a transfer. And we got the guy in house, and Mike Morris is huge. What is he six five, six six? He's he's not a small man. You know, he has to go sideways through most door frames. And Cornelius Johnson actually had a good comment on this day of posting that they asked him, you know, season, how's it feel? Like, how do you keep expectations up and all the fire going? He said, for us, it's about state. It's about Michigan State. It's about Penn State. It's about Ohio State. That's the expectation we set last year. And that's what it is when you come to Michigan. Just set me on fire. Cornelius Johnson, uh, he he rose up a few ranks in my favorite Michigan players on the team with that comment right there. Uh, speaking of guys that are favorites, one of your favorites, and you've been on this for a couple of years now, Mikey Sainra still moving to cornerback, might play both ways, could even play some special teams, could be a three-way player potentially, which is unheard of. Um, I don't know if it'll come to that. But usually when you see these guys move this late in your their career, it's because somebody surpassed them at their position. But he sounds like he could be a player at cornerback. He intercepted Cade McNamara in his first day of practice. What do you expect from Mike Sainristal? Are we going to see him at corner this year? Or is this just all for show? I don't want to set the expectations too high. So I think it's safe to say Heisman, you know, right in that area. <laughs> That's reasonable. So, no, I think he'll play some rotational minutes, some nickel corner there in relief because he just seems to be too skilled to keep off the field. And corner's a position of need, especially if we don't know what you have with the depth yet. Sander still is a very highly educated and cerebral player. So I think it's great. Maximize the guys while you have them. 
I'm with you. And there's definitely some competition at the nickel there. You know, there's been some transfers out, some guys that we thought were going to be dudes there. So St. still is going to have a shot at the nickel. And that's a definitely an open competition. So, yeah, we could very well see him there. And if maybe there's some injuries that pop up at receiver, you could definitely put him back there. We know what he can do at receiver. Not the biggest guy in the world, so he's never going to be your number one, but extremely reliable and This is just a guy that you should like. Now, here's a guy that you should just really enjoy because like St. Ristil is a football player, man. He's a Michigan dude. He does whatever is asked of him. He never complains. Everybody seems to like him. So, yeah, want to give him his uh, his time in the sun here. It's it's a great day for me. You know, I don't want to take all the credit here. It's a great day to be me. Mostly you. (laughs) Mikey St. Ristil news. So the more Mikey I get on the field, the happier I'm going to be in 2022. I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. All right. Some other uh, notes. It sounds like Trente Jones. There was uh, some some uh, footage that came out and it looked like Trente Jones starting with the ones. You can pretty much lock that in now. Maybe not a lock, but I'm writing it in with pen. You know, I'm, I've moved off the pencil. I'm writing it in with pen that Trente Jones is going to be in there. Now, this is a guy we've both been high on. So this doesn't come as too much of a surprise. Really, he was competing with like the Andrew Gentry's of the world and Gentry's Barn been hard. down. Yeah, and Barnhart and Barnhart, who we both like too. Barnhart's going to play though. Yep. I think Barnhart will play, but it's it really seems like Jones and Barnhart have surpassed Gentry, which makes sense. You know, he's been down doing the Lord's work, uh, you know, whatever that means, and you know, God bless him for that. But these other guys have been on the team and have been out there working and getting reps. And Trente Jones is going to play. So, uh, where where are you at with Trente Jones? Are you locking it in? Is it in pen? Is it in pencil? Where are you at? It's in pen. I'm super high about his potential. I love that he and Barnhart had the open competition, really pushed each other. So you're going to get the best option there. But there's just no way around it. This offensive line has every right to be better than last year's with the insertion of our boy Ole at center for the transfer from Virginia <clears throat> on all the depth and experience coming back. So whatever the answer is at right tackle between those two, it's going to be the right answer. I'm with you, man. Um, Last thing to talk about out of spring ball, there is a J.J. McCarthy shoulder injury. He will be out for the remainder of spring ball, will not miss any time so far. Doesn't sound like no surgery required, so nothing too major. But the other part of that is that uh, Cade McNamara in media days the other day was asked about uh, the starting role. And I mean, I'm going to let you answer this, but basically he was asked, you know, about the starting position. He simply responded, I'm a Big Ten winning quarterback championship. So uh, what are your thoughts on that? We're not going to get into our uh, our quarterback debate and the and the uh, the competition yet, but just those two pieces coming out of spring. What are your thoughts? It's a non-story. It's just people trying to create some drama and issue and strife between the two for everything, for news and everything during the slow season. Not a story. Kay just stated the facts. I'm glad he did it with confidence. I'm glad he did it respectfully. Didn't take any shots at JJ. Just said what was true and that he is a Big Ten winning quarterback. Yeah, where are the lies here? And there's nothing. Uh, that's not a news story. Like it, it, it's no. people searching for a story there. And like, what do you expect him to say? He said exactly what the fact of the matter is. This team had the best year that we've had in two decades under him and he is the quarterback of this team and JJ's got to come get it from him. And now JJ's out with a shoulder injury. So yeah, he should feel confident. And there was no negativity towards JJ. All accounts are these guys get along. There's no animosity there in that room, which might be concerning if there was, 
But I, I mean, this seems like two guys that want to be at Michigan. And even if Cade McNamara does get beat out, which we're not going to do that on this podcast, that's that's for the offseason when we start making those bold claims. Like I would I would imagine Cade McNamara sticks around because that's just the type of dude he is, the type of leader that he is. And he gave uh, he gave a pretty measured answer there. Yeah, I was very proud to have him as our quarterback and representative of the team. It was a great answer and no drama, like you said, non-story. 100%. All right, before we get out of here today, we're recording this on a Monday evening. Hopefully get this one out on a Wednesday before the game's on Thursday. We'll see how that goes. Got to go back to our newest segment. It is called Remove the Goggles, where we take off the goggles of fandom, try to look at things for what they are. It is your turn to go this week, my friend. I give you the microphone. Remove the goggles. What do you got to say? All right, Michigan fans, this is NCAA tournament season. This is March Madness, and it's time to remove the goggles with this basketball team. We should be in the play-in tournament. We should not just be an automatic lock into this thing. It is unfair to uh, some certain teams that are ju- justly have a case against us. This Michigan team is barely above 500. The definition of inconsistent, and I'll keep this brief, they should have to prove it one more time to get in the field of 64. I agree. I mean, we agree way too often, <laughs> but I mean, the fact of the matter is, is like, how could I reasonably argue against you? The argument against would be the strength of our our best wins. We have some really quality wins against some top tier programs, the Iowa, the Purdue win, the Ohio State wins. There's some good stuff in there, but the overall record, the lack of consistency and you compare it against some of the other teams that are sitting out like the SMUs of the world, it does get a little bit dicey. So I know we're all fans of this program, I, but you just you look at it, you take a step back, you remove the goggles of fandom. We probably should be playing one extra game, which should be fine. Would that really be the worst thing? The only way it'd be worse is this Michigan team is really good at winning one game, then losing the next. So that means we'd probably <laughs> win the play in and then dropping to Colorado State or whomever we'd play then. So I kind of like the way it's worked out. So at least we should, like, you know, based on recent history, get one win in the actual tournament. Yeah, this is one of those situations where it's like, yeah, we should have it this way. We should have the play in game. Obviously, as fans, we're happy that it worked out the way that it did. And, uh, you know, maybe we're even more fortunate than we should be even going beyond what you said, because we have a really good draw and as good as like Tennessee is if we get through Colorado State like. Tennessee historically does not make really crazy deep runs. Uh, I, I'm not a believer in Kennedy Chandler at the point guard position. So we had a great draw. We really were fortunate in this one. So Michigan fans, be thankful. Yeah, and you get Colorado State and Indianapolis. This can't be overstated. A short car trip away from Michigan fans and Colorado State will have, I don't know, seven of their eight fans there. I don't I have no idea how many. Who's a Colorado State fan? Well, I, I grew up in the rivalry, and uh, they actually do CU versus CSU. They play it in Broncos Stadium every year, which is the dumbest thing ever because Colorado and Colorado State have two of the top five best stadiums in the country. So it's very dumb. Uh, they do have some fans. They just really like to smoke a lot of weed. They're not going to drive that far. They're way too high right now. This is going to be a lot of fun because this is also the opening game of college football season next year for Michigan. Oh, oh, what a call. I totally forgot about that little rivalry brewing with my already rival school. This is great. This works out well for me. Very easy rooting interests. 
So who wins by more, the basketball team or the football team? Football team. Oh, yeah, football team by a mile. We're going to beat them by at least 30. Let's be honest. Oh, uh, I could save this for another podcast, but I want to get it out there at the end of this one. I've got a little bit of heat before we log off. You ready for this? Feed me. Donovan Edwards at some point in this season is going to get Heisman buzz. Let's end it right there. The end. That's going to do it for out of the blue. (laughs) Make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Spotify, Apple Music, or whatever. You can follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. I am Jared. That is Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, especially on the verge of March Madness, go blue. Go blue.